Hi, and welcome to Madness to Magic and my podcast, I'm with Crazy, a love story. I'm your host, Paulina Milana, author of The S Word. This show is for those of us who find ourselves surrounded by madness and wanting to find the magic within. We're going to come together here as caregivers to those who have been diagnosed with a mental illness. Maybe it's someone in the family we've been born into. Maybe it's someone we love. Maybe it's someone we work with. Maybe even it's ourselves. Whether we've been thrust into this caregiver role or taken it on by choice, this podcast is where we're gonna share our stories and learn to realize the magic in all the madness we may have been experiencing. I promise you, it can be done. So let's get to it. I am here again with you for this episode of Madness to Magic, I'm with Crazy, a love story. And I'm so glad that you decided to join us today because today we have a very special guest, a very special friend, uh, Joanna, and I am going to let her introduce herself because I will most likely mess it up and she's too (laughs) important to mess it up. So Joanna, you want to say hello and let people know who you are? Hi, uh, I'm Joanna. Um, when when people ask, I usually say that I am a lifelong Crescenta Valley resident, and I am a mother of two and wife of one. And I have been a founding member and president of the Friends of Rock Haven for about five or six years now. Awesome, and um, and that's good that you are the wife of one because that would be a whole different podcast, mm. right? So um, <laughs> we are so, with crazy, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. So you have been the leader, the spearheader, the the, The the mover, the spirit of the effort towards Rock Haven. Can you explain a little bit about what Rock Haven is to the listeners? Rock Haven is a beautiful spot in Verdugo City where once upon a time a woman came out deciding to do something different to give women uh, safe care for mild mental and nervous issues in a home-like setting. Uh, In 1923, she came out. She found the the beautiful mountains and the beautiful oak trees and a beautiful uh, building to be able to keep them in. Her idea, after working for about 20 years or so in mental health, uh, going from World War I out to Patton, out to L.A. County Hospital, and seeing all the different ways that that, uh, mental patients were treated, uh, particularly women, that she needed to do something different. And she had learned about cottage care. So she knew that if you give them dignified treatment in a home-like setting, things are going to be different. She had watched uh, and and even had in her care some women who were put away for, for virtually no reason. And if they were put into the system, they would disappear. They would be drugged. They would be locked away for unknown amounts of time. And her focus was on getting out, getting active, and getting home. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to ask that we rewind just a little bit. Okay. And um, part of the reason that I have Joanna here is because um, I I love to binge watch TV. And one of the programs out right now is called Harlots. And it's, do you know? What I this just is? saw an advertisement for okay. that yesterday. It's like we're we're not even hiding this anymore. No, we're just throwing it out there. Throwing it out there. <laughs> well, apparently, um, during this time frame, turn of the century, uh, women had two choices, right? So they were either married, or they 
became harlots. I mean, that was kind of it. Or, you know, you were a beggar on the street. That's kind of how they portray this whole kind of series. And so they show you a, a family, two couple different families, who really go, go into the business of being harlots. Um, and by that we mean prostitution, right? So um, right, right. Uh, what did they used to call them? Brothels. And the reason that you really came to mind had nothing to do with <laughs> prostitution or as beautiful as you are. For sure. Um, and you look awesome when you wear those period pieces whenever we have those kind of um, uh, events. But the reason is because one of the characters who is not a particularly kind person um, was recently... This is getting better and better. Yeah, it really is. You should watch this. <laughs> you, can, you come to mind because there's this character. <laughs> right. The yeah. harlots. Now, now, it's not that she reminds me of you, but... She um, was put in a, a hellhole. That's what mm-hmm. I would call it. Mm-hmm. Um, where and and called you know mentally ill by her son. And right <laughs> oh, now okay. they're going through what happens to people in those environments. What they used to do um, to people, mostly women, who were deemed mentally ill. Yeah. So when we're talking about Rock Haven and your work with it. So first off, the the woman who actually created Rock Haven, her name was Agnes Richards. Agnes Richards, and she was actually, if I remember correctly, a nurse. Yes, she became trade. an RN. Uh-huh. Okay, she became an RN. And what were the kinds of things that she saw? You kind of alluded to them, but what were the things that she experienced as an RN for women, for people with mental illness? Can you talk a little bit about before she started rocking? Right. Well, most of that I can only imagine uh-huh. uh, because she never worked in a, well, I guess she did. She worked in the Hastings, Nebraska Hospital for the Chronic Insane. And during World War One, she worked with the Red Cross. And that would be the guys that came back with what they called shell shock. Mm-hmm. You know, give them, a, give them a shot of whiskey and send them back out again. They had mm-hmm. no idea what was really happening to the mm-hmm. minds of these people. So, so like today, post-traumatic stress Correct. disorder kind yeah. of thing. Okay. Uh, then she comes out to, to Patton. This, the stories that I hear, like Rock, ha- Rock Haven actually had a woman who was put in there because she was going through menopause. Right. Her, her husband said she wasn't acting like herself, and therefore she needed to be put away. Put away. Now, mm-hmm. fortunately, they chose a lovely place for her to be put mm-hmm. if he had put her anyplace else. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's ridiculous that mm-hmm. for some reason he didn't think that she could function mm-hmm. outside of a, a hospital mm-hmm. just because she's going through menopause. Mm-hmm. Um, well, even in, in Harlots in that day? One of the younger girls who's in the mental facility, um, she was put in there by her stepfather because she was caught having sex in the stables with a stable boy. Yeah, And so there were all sorts of reasons, right? And women didn't have a voice. I mean at all right yeah so so um go ahead so she experienced all of this yeah well she but but this is the sort of thing that continues to go on yes i heard about a story in the 50s or 60s where a young girl got pregnant Mm -hmm. and they didn't send her to a a camp for young mothers Mm -hmm. they sent her to a sanitarium to give birth to this child Mm -hmm. and what an experience that would be what a different place what a way to be treated for 
uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But there's, yeah. there is, there's just all kinds of stuff. And then the idea, like Nellie Bly going and getting herself locked away for several days to find out what it was really like on the inside. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she finds out that, that basically everybody, well, there's just so many stories, Paulina, right. that basically everybody's getting drugged, that right. it's a miserable place to be. Mm-hmm. And that if you are not insane, you're going to go insane mm-hmm. because of what, a, what miserable treatment they're right. getting. But then there are the genuinely insane people that are there amongst the people who are not, or at least not yet insane. Right. And and the, right. the challenges mm-hmm. of of having to uh, manipulate your way around. Right. And then well, of keep course, your sanity and not exactly. go mad, right? And then, of course, Agnes made it run by women for women mm-hmm. only. Think of the dangers that women were facing. Mm-hmm. And I recently heard about a patient that was found to be pregnant by a, a caretaker, a gentleman who was abusing her. Mm-hmm. Still... Still, the 21st century, yeah. this sort of stuff is going on. Mm-hmm. So Agnes was was way ahead of her timely. Time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, she needed to do something mm-hmm. different to give mm-hmm. them an opportunity to mm-hmm. to recover. You know, mm-hmm. not get right. worse, mm-hmm. um, not right. go someplace terrible, not be abused further. Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. and then go a step beyond that and make it beautiful setting and treat them with dignity. Uh, as her granddaughter took over and brought it uh, further into the 20th century to the 21st century, uh, making certain that their hair was done, mm-hmm. that their nails were done. They were mm-hmm. always dressed. Mm-hmm. They were always brought out to dinner. They were not allowed to just sit in a chair mm-hmm. and watch television. Mm-hmm. And this is more dementia and Alzheimer's by this mm-hmm. time for the, the Rock Haven-focused care. And there was, of course, uh, different mental issues there, but mostly on, mm-hmm. on aging issues. Mm-hmm. But it would change their behavior. Mm-hmm. About, they would feel differently about themselves mm-hmm. because they were being treated mm-hmm. as human beings. And they were allowed outdoors, right? Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. God. Yeah, no, they were encouraged. Right. Particularly right. in the beginning. They, the, She had, and, one, and this is one of those fun things about learning more about her and where she worked, out at Patton State Hospital, they showed us where the farm was. And they're like, oh, I heard that Agnes had a garden and she had chickens because the ladies were supposed to get out and have a purpose. Mm-hmm. They had uh, facilities for making their own mattresses, for making their own shoes, obviously for cooking and all these things that all of the, the at that place, patients mm-hmm. at Rock Haven, the residents mm-hmm. or the ladies, that's mm-hmm. what they were called. They were never called patients. All these activities for them to do, it made a difference in their behavior, in their day-to-day lives, and that sort of a thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. Well, when we're talking about 20th century, 21st century, so with my own mother, my own sister, and the places they were committed to, mm. the fact that they were allowed to just further isolate, right? Mm. They were drugged up, yep. right? And I get it when someone is way off the deep end Whoa. to even like start the process of what's really wrong and you need to calm people down. I I understand the theory behind it. However, the practice of just keeping people drugged up, right? Doped up unnecessarily, the practice of putting people in those places without real cause, right? And not even giving them a voice. Yep. That has been going on forever and I do believe still to some extent continues. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. I've heard of them uh, being drugged simply because the the uh, orderlies, the caretakers didn't want to deal with them. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you just drug them yeah. into to to catatonia or that's whatever exactly we want to yeah. call. Yeah. And then one of the worst things that I just recently heard was up in um Camarillo. Deaf children were being put in mental sanitariums and then just drugged to keep them quiet. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, keep them docile. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it's it's twisted. It's 
scary and sad and and mm-hmm. part of part of why this place is such a, a beautiful and kind of tragic story mm-hmm. because um because of what she was saving them from mm-hmm. if they could mm-hmm. and not just saving them but if i can say so so when i um i stumbled onto Joanna. I stumbled onto Rock Haven. I think a lot of people maybe stumbled onto it and then they're like shocked at, at what it is, right? The historical reference, but also in in taking being taken on a tour of the grounds. It's such a beautiful, tranquil, zen place with Still. rose bushes. And like, it's so, like you want to spend time there. And I can only imagine in terms of caregiving for people with any kind of mental disorder. That kind of environment is what should be preserved and encouraged and furthered versus, gee, I don't know, turning it into a hotel. Well, yeah. <laughs> like, surprise, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and that was that was my thing. As I worked to preserve this historic spot, it, it wasn't just to keep it from being leveled and becoming housing. It wasn't it, it, it wasn't even just to save the stories, um, which is pretty much what we're going to be coming up with on our on our website. Is just trying to make sure that all these stories that I have learned over the years they're out there for people to read and learn and do research and that sort of a thing. But it is to preserve the space itself. I'm always disappointed, shall I say, when I drive up to a historical sign that says, and five miles from here used to be. Mm-hmm. And I would hate for anybody to pull up to the spot. And and it's, it's even going to be kind of weird to go to a hotel and say, yeah, this was a mental sanitarium, you know, that kind of a true. thing. <laughs> but to say, that, you know, yeah. a, a woman came out and began a business for women mm-hmm. to give them an opportunity to be treated like human beings mm-hmm. used to be here, mm-hmm. you know. But right now, Sad. you still, there's an advertisement that, that said um, that this was a place of rest and rehabilitation for women suffering from overwork and exhaustion. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we all raise our hands when they yeah. say that. Yeah, we were yeah. all ready for that spot. Sign but me for up. me, it became more than than just... Um, preserving this place, a lot of people that are saying, oh, this is great because the exteriors of the buildings are going to be saved. And it's like, Mm -hmm. but that's not it. Right. It's, oh, that's the new term, the power of place. Mm -hmm. This place has a lot of power. There is, when you actually stand in the spot where Custer stood, kind of a, kind of a thing, there's, Mm -hmm. there's power to it. But here in this, this particular place, there is still that rest and rehabilitation to be found. Mm-hmm. It's quieter behind those walls. It is. The trees are so beautiful. There's, mm-hmm. It's just wonderful to just sit mm-hmm. and really just be in the quiet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And in the spirit of those who came before. So, so some famous people actually yeah. were residents. Do you want to talk a little bit about that on who actually lived there for a while and... I can't remember who came first. I think um, Marilyn Monroe's mom was there. And her secretary, because, you know, these people know each other, um, told the the Billy Burke family, the Ziegfelds, mm-hmm. that, that Billy Burke would receive lovely care there. Mm-hmm. And somebody came up and said, oh, why was Billy Burke here? And it's like, because this was the best place to be. If you needed care... This was the place to be. Mm-hmm. And people have told me how lovely it was to be able to meet her and what a sweet person she was. And she had the bluest eyes and, and you know, amazing things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and other people from the the industry, um, the fabulous Peggy Fears, who was a Follies girl 
who uh, came out to Los Angeles to act and direct and produce and to sing. Her dementia took away her ability to speak. But Patricia just got a real kick out of her. She loved um, spending time with her and dressing her. And and, um, she said that she would play recordings of her singing. And uh, she would be able to say, that's me. Oh, wow. The extra cool thing about Ms. Fears is that um, the the way that I like to tell the story is is from the the backside, from the the front side backward. Uh, There was a young girl that told me that there was always a card on her table that said, love, Teddy. And she wondered who Teddy was until the day that Teddy Thurman pulled up on her motorcycle from Palm Springs. And we learned that the two of them were a power couple, that they had a botel out on Fire Island. So they created their own safe space for the LGBTQ community Mm. out there. Yeah, and and interviews with Teddy Thurman about Peggy Fairs are just absolutely that's there's really only one that i've been able to find but it's just absolutely sweet it's absolutely lovely the two of them were stunning absolutely stunning human beings and um and they had each other wow yeah so many stories and and just for clarification patricia is who uh, the granddaughter. I'm the granddaughter yeah. is Patricia. Okay. No, that's fine. I'm just like, I'm I'm trying to follow along because there are so many stories that I want to make sure There's that so I'm, many yeah, and some of this I know from before. So I'm like, I know who that is, but did she mention it on here? And so, but um, and just to make sure we get this down at least once, these stories and the things that you are capturing, regardless of what ends up happening, right, to the actual physical location, are you going to be putting them on some website? Do you want to kind of give a URL like now just in case people want to check out things having to do oh, the with... Oh, the www.friendsofrockhaven.org. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. And then I wanted to ask you, this whole podcast has to do with really caregivers for mental health, right? Um, either people you love, you know, whether it's your profession, right, or it's family kind of thing, people who care for others who have a mental illness, it's not it's not an easy game no. at all, right? No. Um, and yet, here Agnes went ahead and did it, and did it in a, an awesome way, yeah. right? So when we talk about the best of giving care for people with mental health, if you had to kind of tick off things that you learned really do matter and really do help people get better, what might those be? Oh, the things that that I witnessed, like one of my first tours, a woman came and she said, can I see the spot where my mom died? I was up in San oh, Francisco. Wow. I wasn't able to be here. And it's a, a building that's normally closed, but they let us go in to show her the room. You know, it's kind of emotional. And she says, you know, when I dropped my mom off, patients with Alzheimer's aren't supposed to know that there is a world outside of here. So you don't get to talk to them for a couple of weeks. But after about a week, I called to check on her and I said, how is is uh, Mrs. Smith? And they said, she's doing very well. And they said, no, I mean, Mrs. John Smith. And they said, yes, we're really enjoying her company. We're very glad that she's here. And she said, when I dropped her off, she was biting, kicking, screaming, utterly belligerent. But by living there and having her hair done and all those things that I listed about being dressed Mm -hmm. and being treated with dignity Mm -hmm. changed the way that she behaved. Mm -hmm. She didn't have to lash out anymore, that Mm -hmm. things things were answered, her needs were met. Mm -hmm. She was being treated well. Exactly. Patricia also said that made a difference with um, the visitors. If grandma looked good, then you're more likely to come and visit grandma. Mm -hmm. If you're in a beautiful spot, you know, people have told me I love to come and visit grandma because Mm -hmm. I was able to 
sit out by the fountain mm-hmm. with the little fishing gnome and the little castle and the amazing faubois furniture. Now, these people hadn't been in on, on the property for decades, wow. but they remember the faubois furniture, wow. you know? Uh, yeah, so wow. that stuff like that is really wow. f- forethought. The, yeah. the, the, uh, they were just, they were so smart. Mm-hmm. You know, what mm-hmm. what they witnessed, what they learned in their experience and the mm-hmm. things that they implemented, what a difference they made. Mm-hmm. And I've met people that came, uh, Grandma was there and I came to volunteer to help out with all of the other ladies mm-hmm. so that I was able to hang out with my grandma. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And I also know, just even from my own personal kind of challenges, um, that when I, even to this day, feel... Um, overwhelmed, uh, stressed out, the voices in my head, you know what I mean, kind of won't be silenced. You're totally and, yeah. Mean, yeah. and I'm not diagnosed as anything <laughs> um, other than a little bit cuckoo. But, um, <laughs> but I know that for me, going outside, going for a hike, yep. um, having, like, touching the ground, hmm. flowers, hmm. things like that, just completely changes my perspective and my attitude, like, and how I feel. Same thing here seems to have been employed by Agnes, getting people, like I remember on the tour, you said that they would go out and they would kind of tend to the garden and they would make sure, right, that they had that time outside under the trees. I want you to talk a little bit about that whole kind of um, philosophy of, again, not keeping them locked inside, not keeping them, it wasn't just how they looked, but the fact that they actually were allowed to go out in nature and what that means when you're giving care to people who have a mental illness. Well, at the time, the uh, Chamber of Commerce of the Crescenta Valley advertised that we had the most healthful air in the world. (laughs) And from uh, Big Tahunga Canyon over to the Arroyo, there were as many as 24 sanitariums, both tubercular and mental. I did not know uh, that. You know that where we're at right now, at my house, Sister Elsie? Yeah. That this was, right? An asthma. This was for children with asthma. Was it up here? Yeah, Sister Elsie was an actual nun. Like, who actually, oh, yeah. yeah, it was right yeah. up here, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Dunsmore Park. Yeah. The walls. Cool. Um, they were They were built and decorated with all these incredible... Uh, bits and pieces of of chain and spoons and cannon and all sorts of stuff. That was a gentleman who bought the sanitarium from the Kimballs. It was a drug rehab center, and his therapy for losing his wife and child was to get out and build those walls. Yeah, so so it obviously you can tur- turn a sanitarium into a park. Dunsmore Park is proof of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. as a kid growing up, you know, you just saw these cool walls. You mm-hmm. didn't know mm-hmm. the, the actual impact behind that. Right. But there is a picture. I'd like to think, you know, after hearing that story of the woman whose mom um, just behaved better after she got there, I'd yeah. like to think that everything was perfect once they got behind those mm-hmm. walls. And, of course, that can't be possible. Right. We have a photo of a woman who is sitting in a swing, and she's leaning off to the side and, and kind of that, that catatonic look. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it makes me kind of sad. But then you really look at the photograph, and she is dressed really well. Mm-hmm. She is outside. She mm-hmm. is in a swing. Mm-hmm. She has somebody sitting there with her. Mm-hmm. Like I said, she's not in a house dress in front of the television right. inside. She's right. not allowed to be. Mm-hmm. They take them out. Right. If they had the ability, mm-hmm. they went out to lunch to local places. They would have family picnics in the park. Mm-hmm. They would have trips to Descanso Gardens. Mm-hmm. Keeping them active in as many ways as they could think of mm-hmm. was very, very important. Mm-hmm. It just made things better for everyone, for mm-hmm. the caretakers as well as for the ladies who were taken care of there. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And so for you personally, um, 
And again, on this podcast, I, you know, if anyone wants to talk about something, they can, if they don't, they don't have to. So that's totally cool. Um, but you, you have been pretty upfront about your own kind of challenges. Can you talk a little bit about that? And do you, do you, is this why you got involved with Rock Haven? Like what, what was in it for you, so to speak? Well, as we, as we came about, um, I don't even know if it was a diagnosis, just kind of a, a figuring out that, that <laughs> the, the descent into to madness that I was feeling was uh, actually anxiety and depression mm-hmm. and, uh, and untreated. Back then you would have been locked up. Then, uh, totally. <laughs> and I could, there were times that I wished yeah. I was, particularly in Rock Haven. Um, but it, it, um, just thinking that these were things that were wrong with me and I can't talk to anybody about it and that sort of a thing. I just kept it to myself. It just got darker and darker and deeper and deeper. And I remember being in a group and a woman said, I can't stand all these people that are so nice on the outside. And it's like, no, it's the, tr- it's the truth. I, w- I was black on the inside. I was thinking the most miserable, horrible thoughts while I was taking my walks, mm-hmm. but a huge smile on my face on the outside because it was like, well, what a really pretty yard those people have. What a mm-hmm. nice tree that is. Look at the kitty kind of mm-hmm. a thing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I've gone, I've gone through a bunch of my own self-awareness and, mm-hmm. and trying to, um, to get to a good place, but um, that has absolutely nothing to do with me being involved in Rock Haven. Really? Yes, and, and it's one of those things that you can't explain. I just dig history. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah but, okay, but there's a lot of different historical things you could have uh-huh. gotten involved with. But this, this is the one that fell on my lap. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Um, so when the city was purchasing Rock Haven, my kids were too young for me to be able to do anything more than, than look after the kids and say, you know, once I tuck them into school, if you need somebody to come and help paint, I'm available. But mm-hmm. when they're around, I'm with them. Mm-hmm. And they got older, and the city kind of started to ignore Rock Haven for a while, the city of Glendale purchasing it back in 2008. Eight. Um, so Rock Haven operated under the Richards Travis women until 2001 when Patricia sold it to the Ararat company. Ararat closed it in 2006. They were going to, of course, who's going to want to buy a three and a half acres, but a developer that's going to want to level everything and put buildings and housing there. So the city steps in with this grand plan of moving the library over, expanding the fire station where it is, put in Trader Joe's at the end of Montrose, Ooh. use the money from that land lease to be able to afford to support the park. And at that time, the recession hit. Oh. So they said, okay, we're just going to shutter this for a little while, and we'll, we'll we'll put it into a state of arrested decay, which you know you can obviously eleven years later it's not arrested any no, longer. The decay is starting to take over, but um, five years into their ownership, the new city manager says that he is interested in this space. The city wants to tour, and at that time, my kids were starting to move on to other things, so I was looking at what I was going to do next, and I trained as a docent down at the Autry Museum of the American West. Mm-hmm. So I am a trained docent mm-hmm. when the Historical awesome, Society of Crescent <laughs> Valley contacts me, and they say, you know, we're going to be giving them a tour. Do you want to be involved? It's like, well, yes, I am a trained <laughs> docent, kind of a thing. And he says, great, I hate doing that. So I have to learn everything that I can, and what's cool is it turns out... None of it was true. Agnes loved to tell stories about herself because she wanted to look, I guess, more important so she could fit in with the society that she had come to be a part of, Uh, the town and gown and the uh, Los Angeles Opera and Los Angeles Breakfast Club and so incredibly philanthropic, all these people. So she's telling these stories about, you know, she got a, a degree in psychotherapy and she traveled. No, she was by 10 when she emigrated here 
with their family. And as soon as she was old enough, got the job at the Hospital for the Chronic Insane. So what, maybe she was 14 when she started working? Wow. Right. And she builds this unbelievably beautiful empire, is incredibly generous, has a beautiful life, uh, is a blessing to all of those who come in contact with her. Mm -hmm. And I have no idea where I was going with that. Well, <laughs> I was, oh, I was talking about me. So... <laughs> Oh, wait, wait, before, so before you go to you, oh, hold okay, on one second, okay. because uh, you triggered something else for me. I believe, and I could have gotten this wrong, you had told me, um, or during the tour, that um, she was not just everything that you've described so far, but also brilliant in financing. <laughs> and Right? Right. Okay, so tell a little bit about that because well, the, the, that's pretty incredible. It's a short, it's a short story um, because everybody says, wait a minute, how was she able to afford all of this? So she During the Depression, with, during, right? Yeah, I mean, it was 1923. She shows up with a little bit of the money that she's been able to save. Now, she's married at the time and her husband is required to sign the papers, but he is never there. He stays out of patent and they divorce shortly after. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> because women couldn't do this, right? Yeah. So um, she's got six women. She's living there in the house with them. and But inside of a year, she now has more than 20 women. So she buys a house that's right next door. And from there, buys other houses that are around there that she then starts having buildings built starting in 1929 all the way up until 1939. And so people say, how did she have the money to be able to do this? So mm -hmm. I ask her granddaughter, Patricia, and she says, you don't make money off of owning a sanitarium. Gran was really good at investing. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, tell me the secret. Yeah, really. Because she <laughs> was investing book? at a time yeah. that yes. the stock market crashed. Right. But she was able to keep people employed and wow. building mm -hmm. and housed and taken care of during the Depression. Right. Yeah, she had still created this safe haven that was able to operate. And from there, not just the three and a half acres that is uh, Rock Haven Historic District across the street mm -hmm. and back behind. Mm -hmm. So people that worked for them were able to live in houses right nearby. Mm -hmm. um, there was a, mm. a dentist that was cared for toward mm -hmm. the end of life, one of the first women to graduate from the SC dental school. Mm. And wow. she had a little dog, but the dog couldn't come with her. So the dog was kept by a nurse who lived across the street. And then when the nurse would come to work, the dog would come over and oh. visit with the dentist. So she still oh. had her dog. Yeah. Oh, that is such, those are awesome stories. Yeah, there's a bunch of them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And but so I, I take I take what little bit of information that I've got, and mm -hmm. I give as much of a history and a tour as mm -hmm. I can. Mm -hmm. And at that time, it's not just like everybody's like, oh, you know, at least the exteriors of the buildings are going to be saved. And it's like, forget that. Mm -hmm. I walk all over Pasadena, Glendale. I was in a great spot in Glendale today. That architecture is able to be seen all over the place. Los Angeles, Hollywood, everywhere, there's these beautiful Spanish colonial revival and craftsman-style homes. You can't see the inside. Mm -hmm. And right now at Rock Haven, mm -hmm. you can walk into those buildings and see tile from 1931 mm -hmm. in vibrant and beautiful colors mm -hmm. that aren't possible without the cancer-causing agents that were put into them to make them that mm -hmm. stunning and, and last this long. Mm -hmm. So... It isn't just a matter of trying to save the veneer from me. Mm -hmm. It's saving that sense of place, giving a place where people can come and see and not just go, oh, isn't this nice that somebody got to stand here under this tree? It's mm -hmm. like, but inside, mm -hmm. look at the beautiful wood. Look at this amazing tile. Look at the mm -hmm. details that she put into this archway faces this way. And this archway actually has this style. Mm -hmm. You know, the, mm -hmm. it wasn't, it's not just here is a, a block building. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful architecture, right. beautiful design, details 
everywhere. Mm-hmm. You, I have never been to a house where I see a screen door where you where you, the, you turn the handle to the left or the right, you pivot it left or right, and mm-hmm. that's how you open the screen door. And mm-hmm. I think that's so cool. I've never that seen that anywhere cool. but on Rock Haven. Mm-hmm. So what I wanted to save wasn't just exteriors mm-hmm. and then you know the gardens disappear because the gardens were as as much of the treatment mm-hmm. as um as any of the the rest of it mm-hmm. um so i get on there and i walk them around and i don't want to leave right mm-hmm. I've, I've left my heart behind this yeah. is such a beautiful spot and then i start learning the stories mm-hmm. we just went on a trip up the 395 and on the way back down from um bishop creek my daughter wanted to stop at Manzanar, and we stopped there once when she was really little, Manzanar being the detention center for Japanese and Japanese-Americans mm. uh, during World War II. And it was very interesting to me and very challenging for me with my mom being brought up in Los Angeles during World War II to see the sorts of things that went on and the decisions that were made and the reasons and that sort of a thing. And we were about to go outside and, and start looking at everything else when I went to my Jumashu. And I go zipping past my family in the bookstore. And my son comes running after me. What's wrong? What's wrong? And I said, Tamaye, I got to find Tamaye. And I'm getting emotional just thinking about it right now. Tamaye Shijimashu lived in Manzanar, met her husband there. So here I go and I take pictures of the names of the Shijimashus. I didn't get Tamaye's because she was under her maiden name, darn it. So now I got to go back up. <laughs> <laughs> Another road trip. But to make, make that connection yeah. With somebody who who had been at Rock Haven and had to go through this, and mm-hmm. and life went on from there. Um, I was told by a nurse that was there when when Tamaye moved in that um, she followed her, walking around the walls and, and gates of Rock Haven for hours, as Tamaye had to process the fact that she was behind fences again. Oh, uh, yeah, right. That's why I say when I say there's so many stories, there are so many stories. Right. It's just a, a beautiful spot to be able to to see the architecture, yes, but to see the details mm-hmm. as well. But to see that the way that um, women would take care of other women, mm-hmm. to see that there are mental issues that need to be treated in a different way, mm-hmm. to see um, that a woman who goes to school to become a journalist can then, during World War II, fly fighter planes, training men Hmm. how to fly the fighter planes, Hmm. and then end up here, and then one day walk into a closet and see her name stuck up inside that her clothes, this is, this is, this I'm getting chills just thinking about, this is the place where she was cared for toward the end of her life, you know? Amazing, amazing women, amazing stories, all in this one little center, Mm -hmm. you know? It's Mm -hmm. just, it's just so many things in three and a half acres. Mm -hmm. It's it's just, it's too big for me to hold on to. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, and you don't have to hold on to them, right? Continue to kind of share those stories. Well, yeah, fortunately, you're letting me go on and on on here. Story time all, all day long. I, what I love is the connections, right? I mean, all this entire kind of ecosystem that just like, continues on and it's not just like you said not just the architecture the brick and mortar that it's the spirit it's the people it's it's those connections in time those connections of who knows who who runs into who who like things that are lost in great part because we don't have oral history anymore right we really don't and things that are lost because 
people, you know, there's that famous song, um, they paved paradise, put in a parking lot. Same kind of thing happening here. Totally. I, I know. Did you want to just like mention what's happening now with Rock right. Cave? So um, as as the Friends of Rock Haven were allowed to start giving tours, never considered public tours, that they were, um, we, we were allowed once a month to go on with a group of people, specific group of people, um, to take on and, and show around. Uh, and when you say allowed, who allowed it? Oh, the city of Glendale. Okay. Yeah. Um, it is not open to the public. It, and we get two days right now, two days a month access, one for cleaning days and one for tours. If we find a, a, an interested group, we request, can we be there on this day from this time to this time? And the caretaker is there. They make sure that he's there to make sure that nobody's getting hurt and everything is fine, that sort of a thing. And the then caretaker walked up and said, yeah, they were touring developers yesterday. And it's like, okay, we can't just operate as a little group anymore. We really need to form into something serious. So we became a nonprofit and began learning what it was that the city was looking into doing with what they were now calling surplus property. In spite of the fact that it's being taken care of by the parks department, that the, the parks comes and, and looks at it and takes care of it. Well, sort of. They were sending out gardeners every now and then to, to make it look like it wasn't abandoned kind of a thing and not becoming a fire hazard. And, um to try and let them know, yeah, you know, five years ago, you guys did a really important thing by purchasing this property, and it should be treated with this kind of respect. And you guys, right now, in your hands, have an opportunity to create a historic park mm -hmm. where these stories can be preserved mm -hmm. and told. Mm -hmm. And I was always saying where people can come and enjoy the rest and rehabilitation, whether or not they could afford it. Because, mm -hmm. you know, back then you had to be able to afford it. Sure. At a $300 a night hotel, you would have to be able to afford it. Right. Which is what they're planning on. Which is which is where they ended up. So um, we spent all these years learning more than I wanted to know about politics and, <laughs> and all sure. that sort of stuff. And finally coming down and around to them, settling on a gentleman who was a beautiful and sincere human being who will bring in a powerhouse team of women. Um, the lady who worked on Griffith Observatory and Dodger Stadium. And I'm like, why are they interested in her little three and a half acres? And it's like, you know why they're interested? Because it is a significant spot. Mm -hmm. Now, it still will not be a public park, which is unfortunate. And it will have to be gutted, which guts me. Because right now is the opportunity to see the way that they lived back in the 30s. Mm -hmm. uh, but to make it any kind of functioning place, if I can't make that a museum where nothing is touched and you can see it exactly the way that it is now, um, then it has to be then it has to be changed and brought up to code and mm -hmm. take out the asbestos and all that sort of mm -hmm. sort of stuff. So right. um, it will be a place for people to be able to come. It's not, the very first time they talked about the hotel is only if you were there for eating at their restaurant would you be able to be there. And only if you paid $300 a night would you be able to be in these buildings. Now that we're able to talk to him ourselves, he has brought it back from 45 rooms down to 30 rooms. He's focusing more on an accessible restaurant that people in the community are going to be able to want to come to. An accessible gardens and space too where um you're, you're going to want to bring your kids where you're going to have a glass of wine and sit and look at those oak trees so it is a lot closer to the original hopes 
that we had, but mm-hmm. it's still a money-making place where the buildings and the interiors are going to have to be irreversibly changed. Mm-hmm. So it's it's sad for me to mm-hmm. to have been able to experience this and not be able to continue it and share it. But I guess that's the world, isn't it? You know, things have to change. And some call that progress, and sometimes yeah. it is, and yeah. sometimes maybe not so much, yeah. right? Yeah. So, um, hmm. all right, and... So, well, what I have to say is thank God that you have been so involved because it wouldn't be even at this point, right, them were kind of rethinking what they were going to do with it. Right. Well, when we first been, when we right? first sat down, yeah, they were drawing housing right. across what, right. what the Friends of Rock Haven got designated as historic gardens. Right, right. And what happens to it? Um, like, I know that the intent was for it to get landmark status. So what happens to it if they start kind of messing with it? It depends on how much they change. There has to be a certain amount of historical element left behind to be able to get uh, listed. Mm-hmm. Um, what was fun about getting it listed on the state and then from there the National Registries of Historic Resources was uh, we, were, we were very anxious about going up there and having to convince these people that this place really needs to be. And, and we were just thinking, you know, the buildings are going to get designated, but we hi- hired the Historic Resources Group who said, no, 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 the, the gardens are as much a part of the healing mm-hmm. as anything else there. So they're part of the historic designation. And so that's how it became a historic district. Mm-hmm. And we get up there and there was only one letter written in opposition and it was by the then city manager. He wanted our own, the, the city of Glendale's own historic resources fellow to write the letter saying, please don't designate it. And he said, there is no way I'm writing that letter because you can't say that you don't want it designated because you want to be able to develop it. They're not going to listen to that. Right. And I'm like, cool. <laughs> and so he had to write it himself and they read it out loud and they said, is there any discussion? And a fellow raises his hand and says, I move that we place it on the registry. No discussion, no anything. It was a slam dunk. Everybody knew that this deserved to mm-hmm. be placed on the registry. Mm-hmm. And then once the, the state of California does it, they automatically apply to the national. And mm-hmm. we got listed on, on that as well. Now, unfortunately, mm-hmm. it doesn't provide as much protection as we hope. Yeah, it sounds like it would. But no. no, and everybody says, well, it's got to be registered yeah. as a landmark. And it's like, well, really all it does is, is helps the owners with um, um, taxes. <laughs> they oh, get tax man. breaks and various funding opportunities and, and things like that. Oh, so it's a, it's, a, it's a good thing, and it's sure. encouraged, but it, it doesn't really protect anything if somebody really wants to take it down. Particularly in Glendale, I go to complain to the state about something that's going on, and they say, well, you know, the city of Glendale has their own historic resources guy, so you go talk to him. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, but that guy works for the city of Glendale. Are you mm-hmm. not understanding the conflict of interest mm-hmm. here? Yeah. And I know it takes the weight off of you guys that you don't right. have to look at everybody if somebody right. has them on their own staff, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean that they're doing Right, the job right. that you guys would do. Right, right. But okay. um, wow. yeah, so that was wow. that was a blast. Um, but one of the things that I that I did as I as I cried to this group as they were taking it away from me, as it were. Um, the one lady said, oh, yeah, three years ago when I toured it, I've been I, all that time I've been thinking about and planning how to decorate the hotel rooms. And I said, yeah, during those three years, I've been planning a museum. So to lose yeah. that wow. that that hope. And right. and all the all the beautiful plans and, and excitement that I had was really hard. And I right. said, I want the artifacts looked after. Mm-hmm. And the lady immediately wrote things down. So I'm hoping that they will be looking after the, the artifacts in the best way possible. 
I said, I want it to be a landmark. Mm -hmm. And she looks at her notes and she says, it is, isn't it? And I said, no, it's just on the registry. Mm -hmm. I want it to be a California state landmark with that sign on the freeway that says, get off here and you're going to go be able to see this place. Mm -hmm. And somebody said... I think the guy running the hotel is going to want that too. Yeah, it's kinda, oh, good. you know, yeah, kind of okay. free advertising <laughs> right, kind of a thing. Exactly. So I'm really hoping, and, and uh-huh. he, like I said, he's a stand-up guy. It really seems like um, if that's going to be good for the community and good for business, then he'll probably um, be re- preserving as much as possible. Plus, he has these groups, the, mm-hmm. these women that have done remarkable things in historic preservation. Mm-hmm. So if they're looking out for the place mm-hmm. as well, then then uh, hopefully it will be able so to be a landmark. Yeah, hope. Um, yeah. And I, I want to come back to something um, because you had mentioned a couple of times, um, you know, a healing place or what's right yeah. for healing, et cetera. Yeah. And, you know, how now your hopes, right, of what you had envisioned, mm-hmm. not going to take that route, right? And then you had talked a bit about um, early on, like your own kind of depression, anxiety, and that you'd be walking around and there was a darkness inside, mm. right? But outside, everybody saw you as, oh, you know, it's mm. Joanna. Mm. Here comes the smile, right? So <laughs> I, I am curious to talk a little bit more about that, about you and your experience falling into kind of that dark kind of hole and how you got yourself out of it because right now you hopes are not being realized yeah. right and yeah there is some hope on the other end but it's got to be a little bit kind of depressive and and kind of even bring up a bit more anxiety of what does the future hold how do you how did you bring yourself out of it back then and how are you coping with it now um, back then medication <laughs> Really? Was it medication? Oh, totally. Yeah. Really? Something yeah. Something that, that quieted all of the voices and all of the all the the anxiety and feeling of yuck. Absolutely medication helped. But when you okay, so hold on a second, because this is something new that I didn't know. Oh yeah. Um because <clears throat> from my own kind of experience, so my mother and my sister were on so many meds that we could have opened our own dispensary, <laughs> right? And so um and at my own falling into very deep, dark bunny holes, Mm -hmm. my shrink wanted to put me on meds. Mm -hmm. I, at the time, refused because I equated those with what I had seen them do, (gasps) right, with others, right? Sure. And so for those for whom they work and and you want to, I'm totally on board with that. If they don't, I'm totally on board with that too. For you, they decided this would be something that you might want to consider. You did consider it. Can you walk us through a little bit of what was going on when you decided to take that route and how much it did help? What, how long were you on for it? Because I'm not saying that it's not needed in cases or that it's not, it's not a, um, it's not a catalyst to get you out of, right? So talk a little bit about your experience with that, if you're, if you're willing to. Uh, Yeah. Um, What, what sent me over the edge is, is, is a bunch of, personal information that perhaps my family doesn't necessarily want to be be mentioned oh, okay. about so I won't say yeah no. I you know I went nuts over this and that yeah. and the other thing but I will say that it just it did reach the point where I called up my health provider and I said this is not an example of a woman that I want to be for my daughter my daughter can't see me being crazy all the time and I had just reached such an extreme point um 
all of my efforts to make the worlds of those I loved better didn't necessarily work, which made things darker, which made me work harder, which made it not work, which, you know, and it Mm -hmm. just kind of became now that I'm at the bottom of this well, as far down that bunny hole as I can get, now what do I do? And, And it was so removed. And, you know, they asked the questions, you know, are you talking about suicide? Are you talking about self-harm, harming others and that sort of a thing? And I said, no, I'm a mom. Mm-hmm. So as dark as things were, mm-hmm. those little lights mm-hmm. were, were keeping me from knowing that I was never going to to do anything drastic. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the time that I, that I said, all right, I want to take the mattress out on the front lawn and burn it, but my kids would have to come home and see that. Help me now. <laughs> So they got me wow. an appointment. I got in, and they said, yeah, this is going to be a process. So they start me on one medication, and then that doesn't work for this reason, and another one doesn't work for another reason. Another one, and my favorite one was Prozac, because that's the one that everybody talks about. Mm-hmm. I was suicidal in Prozac. Wow. And they said, well, you're supposed to be on it for three months. I said, I will be dead by wow. then. This is not a medication I can be on. Give me another one. Mm-hmm. So we found a medication that was just right for the amount of time that it took for me to get equipped with um, the tools that I needed. And believe me, I still use them. Um, I was it, It's been a tough couple of days, actually, sure. where I go, why am I feeling this way? What's going on? I don't quite understand. Oh, wait a minute. And I remember the things that they told me. I'm having a feeling. I am not this feeling. Mm-hmm. I'm just having this feeling. Mm-hmm. And so I take a breath and I move on. Mm-hmm. So I had the medication to help me get through the dark times. I then had um, the support in my family and and my life around me where things then improved on the outside Mm -hmm. as I worked on the inside Mm -hmm. so that I reached the point where the side effects from that medication that worked, I said, um, I'm I'm kind of done clenching my jaw. Mm -hmm. I, I, I would like to stop doing that now. Uh, is there another medication or what? And they put me on another one and something else went wacky. And I said, you know, I think I'm at a point right now that I want to try and get off of it. Mm -hmm. And they said, great, because Mm -hmm. that is the goal is Mm -hmm. to give you the tools to equip you to be able to handle it without the medication. Some people can't. Mm -hmm. Some people need to be on it. Mm -hmm. I want to say I do not. Mm -hmm. But that is also with the realization that I do have these really dark days where I feel lost and out of control and have to rely on that one little part of my brain that says, no, 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 there's, there's something going wrong here. Mm -hmm. Stop, Mm -hmm. pull it all together Mm -hmm. and then we'll move on Mm -hmm. and understand that this may last for a little while too, Mm -hmm. but that we can get on and get through it. And, and today is a beautiful day Mm -hmm. and it's really, really nice to know that, yeah, it's been, it's been a couple of really tough ones, but Mm -hmm. um, I, personally, fortunately, have the ability. But yesterday, I was starting to think, "Mm, do I want to go back on medication? Because this is not good. Mm -hmm. But the side effects were things that I wanted to give up. And maybe in my future, um, Mm -hmm. I might have to go back on. But Mm -hmm. right now, I've got the tools, I've got the support system, Mm -hmm. and uh, and I'm able to to go on in a functional sort of a way. But I will tell you, Paulina, (laughs) that one of the struggles about this, like I said, learning about politics, how politics works. 
And you hear all these wonderful things about, you know, grassroots efforts, and and it was a woman who saved Alvera Street, and uh, all those little isms that you see, those memes that say, you can do this, you got it in you, go for it, you're going to win. And it's like, not necessarily. Mm -hmm. You know, I I carried a bunch of little Wonder Woman icons Mm -hmm. because I wanted to be Wonder Woman. Mm -hmm. I wanted to make this happen, Mm -hmm. and I couldn't. It was beyond my control, and and mm-hmm. um, and I lost mm-hmm. it. And it has made me kind of bitter. Mm-hmm. And I want to say I am not as pleasant of a person mm-hmm. as I was five years ago, mm-hmm. maybe even two years ago. Mm-hmm. And it makes me sad mm-hmm. because I always thought that I was a really nice and friendly person. But now I, I can be kind of grumpy and kind of snippy and mm-hmm. and and I don't like that person mm-hmm. but <laughs> it's part of that experience you know it's kind of yeah. like well well like you say you know th- this sucks yeah you know it sucks yeah it, it mm-hmm. shouldn't have happened yeah. and right. we're going to well okay so i'm going to say a couple things to you <laughs> number 1 I, I adore you. I know millions of people who do adore you. <laughs> uh, millions more once they hear this. See, um, the, the dark side yes, inside says, I'm going to introduce you to the ones that know right. different. <laughs> but you know what? And here's here's the key point, at least for me. Part of why I so like connected you from the second we met and I so adore you is because you have a voice. Number one, you had a voice championing yourself, right? No, this is not the drug for me. Take it off three, you know what I mean? Three Mm, months, I'm going to be dead, right? You were your own advocate, number one. Number two, you took it upon yourself to rise out of that darkness to protect your kids, right? You remind me so much of even my mom, who was very, in a very, very horrible place for a long time in her Mm -hmm. life. And I learned later in life that part of the reason she used to take us for walks as little kids was because she was trying to run away from the voices telling her to kill us. So what I'm saying to you is, as much as you... She had that little light. She had that little light, exactly like you. Like finding that little thing to kind of hang on to, that little spark of hope that's deep inside and letting that grow and not letting all of the... The, those voices, the darkness kind mm-hmm. of take over. What What is awesome about you is, or I'm not even going to say the word awesome. Mm-hmm. What I, I think you might be exploring now even more and more mm-hmm. is embracing not just the nice Joanna, not just the happy Joanna, not just the, oh, she was so much fun to be around five years ago, but maybe embracing the bitch Joanna and embracing the bitter Joanna for a while, like giving it to a voice until it's heard and until it knows, yeah, you know what? This sucks. But unlike what you were telling me earlier today, it sucks. But look at what came of it because you were involved, right? Yeah. Not one thing that I have learned Not everything that we want, you know, a few things that we want, like, really end up being exactly how we want them to end up, right? Yeah. They come in different packages. They come, right? And and granted, I do think to myself often, as you do, but my way was better, right? And yet, what I'm trying to embrace and learn (laughs) is, no, it wasn't, because if it was, it would have been that, right? There is something with what mm. is happening now 
that you still don't know. You still knew, don't know the end of this. No. You don't, Joanna, right? Well, and and it could be a lot worse. You know, once they get into it, they could just start pulling exactly. back and trying to make more right. money and taking more of the history away right, from right. it, right? Yeah. But, but you also don't know what this is for could... you either personally. Oh, indeed. But it also, what it's for you personally and what it is for you and your historian self and your storyteller self and what this could be in the future, right? Our whole life, if we could live it backwards, right? Hindsight's twenty twenty. <laughs> then you can be like, oh, that's why this happened, totally. right? Totally. So, so again, I say to you, everything that you have experienced and the strength within you to actually rise up huh. and give voice and actually be this kind of superwoman. Surprise, you you are <laughs> Wonder Woman, right? I I wish for you that you would just see yourself as others do, because I promise you, they're not saying five years ago, Joanna was so much nicer. <laughs> they're not saying that. They're like, who the fuck is that? Because I want to be here when I grow up. I don't know about right? that. But yeah, well. <laughs> well, and it's like when I try and have discussions with people, they look at me like I'm arguing with them. And it's like, how do I you, how do I change that so that I'm actually discussing and that I'm trying to communicate to you what I'm thinking? And then you can communicate to me what you know and so that I can change my mind or, or something. But people are like, quit arguing with me. And it's like, well, whoa, that's not what I meant to do at all. Yeah, but so. Is it possible? So I, I have that issue too, right? People oh, yeah. people get intimidated or they're like, you know, why are you, oh, relax, right? <laughs> stop being so passionate. And, <laughs> and in my mind, what I have come to realize is they may not be at a level where they're able to have frank conversations, mm. right? And I have stopped thinking to myself, the issue is me. And I need to change how I do whatever. Hmm. I've stopped that. And what I do now is try to ask more questions, draw things out of them that make them a little more comfortable. But I never cross that line of not being true to myself hmm. because hmm. the issue is not you. The issue, it really isn't you, me. It's not. It's not. It is quite often who we're talking to and yeah. what level they're at. Yeah. And for us to expect expect them to be anything other than what they are, that's not fair either. Right. Right? Which means I need to learn to when to shut up so that it doesn't look like I'm arguing you, <laughs> or pushing them too far beyond you know who what? they are. Okay, but you know? let me ask you a question. <laughs> but I get passionate about, you know, I really want you to tell me why yeah. I should think this way. Right. Tell me why I shouldn't right. be feeling and acting this right. way because it makes sense to me. Why doesn't it make sense to you? And then right. they look at me like, shut up. And it's like, oh, right. okay. Well, maybe because they can't really explain their point of view. Yeah, that's right? really possible. And that should tell you, yeah, you know. Yeah. I, think, I think, too, and this is just my own kind of thought process, when you are creative when you are um somebody who's open to like new ideas or a thinker right or like people have said to me you just think too much right <laughs> i probably do right <laughs> i think <laughs> that <laughs> that when you're like that you present things to others who maybe aren't like that mm -hmm. and you open up a little door for them that maybe they are just not ready to handle mm. or open up right mm. and so the truth of it is you're giving them an opportunity to grow because I'll guarantee anybody who has said to you, you know, oh, you know, just stop, just stop. Mm -hmm. They're going home and thinking, wait a minute, Joanna said, wait. You think? Okay, wait. Oh, I think. Oh, I, hope so. oh I, I would bet my bottom dollar. <laughs> I have had people come back 
years later and say to me, oh, you know, well. I learned more from you than I ever have to date. So I want to just thank you. I mean, people that I never, I have had people, it has been, well, it's special. And then I'm sort of like, well, I don't remember what the hell I said. Do you know what I mean? I'm Which like, oh, fine. well, yeah. Because it was important to them. <laughs> Clearly it mattered to them. But yeah. it doesn't mean you have to be yeah. careful what you say. Because no. you just never know. Right. You never <laughs> what's know. What's going to someone's head. You are given a voice for a reason. And you already mm. know that your voice has had huge impact on several Several different people, several different ways. Mm. You don't even know to the extent yet mm, of what it has been. If you silence that voice, you are stopping others from growing. If you even think mm. of it that way, right? I that's and I'm not saying I'm don't don't misunderstand me, anybody who's listening. I'm not saying that everything we say is brilliant and everybody ought to listen to it. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah, them. We forgot about them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, out there. But but I am saying that. You never know. I, I, one of the upcoming podcasts is with my shrink of oh. more than a decade. Wow. And one of the things that I really has been not weighing on my mind, but I just, I've always wanted to ask her. She took me in late night, a fluke, like just kind of a friend of a friend. And I was in a really bad place mm. and needed this intervention I wanted to know from her, like, what she saw in me to even continue, right? Oh, wow. I mean, why? Because she saw me for months without me paying. And what was it, right? So I wanted to ask her those questions. I also wanted to kind of figure out what is her first memory? What is my first memory? And so for me, it was... I kept telling her, she she kept asking me, you know, so I understand, you know, you're having some challenges. What is it, et cetera? And I, I basically said, you know, nothing, nothing's wrong. That was my line for right. everything. Nothing's right. wrong, right? Exactly. We all do that, right? It's all within me. Don't worry wrong. about it. Right. Well, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> she asked me a question that changed my entire life. And she said, not even asked me a question. She, she just came out and said, uh, okay, so tell me about nothing. And suddenly I was like. What a beautiful human. Beautiful. Just beautiful. And I, what, so what I'm saying is say whatever is coming up for you. Say, you know, what, whatever your voice is telling you to say without that filter of how they're going to kind of take it. Because I really believe we're each here to either learn something Mm. or to teach. Mm. So I have a feeling like, look what happened. Let's just take this tactically, right? Or tangibly. I'm not even sure which is the right word. Let's see what you're going to say. Well, here you are. You have shared your truth. You've shared the experiences. You've shared the stories. Here's a guy who had no knowledge of that, would not have had any knowledge of that had it not been for you. And now he's having you come to the table and little things Mm are changing, right? If you had said, why bother? Nobody's listening. Doesn't matter. I'm not right. going to get my final way exactly the way I want it. Right? Right? Yeah. There's, and there's there's wisdom in that yeah. to, to it, think of that. Everybody has power. And you actually, throughout your life, have really exhibited that. And maybe your depression and anxiety, maybe, maybe, comes when you try to squelch it. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, and it's interesting, as we were talking, I was thinking about how um, years ago, when, when my world was just 
my world. It was just my family and that was it and trying to make my family happy. And then the kids go to school and I start making friends. It's like, wait a minute, people like me? Yeah. <laughs> no way. And then they're like volunteer. And I'm like, oh, no, I would love to, but no. And then then I find that there's things that I can do. And then I take a position uh, of uh, helpfulness. And it's like, whoa, yeah, that's what I want to do. I want to be helpful. And then I take a position of leadership to try and be even more helpful. And it's like, I can't lead but maybe I can make some things possible by taking this position. And then from there, going to be a docent and how everything built mm-hmm. upon each other to lead to this one, this mm-hmm. one, and I want to say this one thing, because mm-hmm. hopefully there's a lot more in my yeah. life to go. But uh, it, it um, this was this time. Mm-hmm. And honestly, this helped too, because it gave me something to focus on other than myself. I had, I didn't need a job but this was my job. Right. I never got paid for it. I volunteered. Right. But I loved every minute of it. I loved mm-hmm. being on the property. I loved the things that I learned, the people that I've met, the experiences that I've had. Mm-hmm. And everything has its time, mm-hmm. right? right? And perhaps it's time for this to be done. Mm-hmm. It's not what it should be, mm-hmm. but it's it's what it could be. Mm-hmm. You know, um, right. and it's uh, and it's not what it almost was. Right. You know, we right. by going through this fairly miserable. You know, so the the, the ecstasy side had the miserable side of right. of why do I have to fight you people right. on what it just seems to make so much sense to me. Right. You you have it. This isn't privately owned. Mm-hmm. This is publicly owned. It's already a park. Mm-hmm. You just have to take that last step right. to to be able to show this off and share these stories with the world and people from France mm-hmm. and England mm-hmm. and all over the country are going to come to see this place. Mm-hmm. And so that means they're going to see Glendale. And it's like, no, we'd rather have it be a business. And it's like, mm-hmm. okay, but at least it's not going to be leveled and be mm-hmm. housing, right. you know, and, and lost. Thank God that there's somebody named Joanna who's actually going to share these stories with the world and let people know about this, regardless of what happens. Yeah. I bet Agnes put you in place. On purpose. No joke. <laughs> I believe in that kind of stuff. I really do. I know. And now, now people are like, okay, woo, she went, uh, cray, cray. that one. Yeah. No, I'm dead serious. I believe, I do believe in energy in hmm. another world and in, in spirits and in all of that kind of thing. I've had too many experiences for it not to exist. And I believe that there are things in motion that we just can't know about or Obviously. can't see. Yeah. And for you... Maybe this was always going to happen, right? That mm-hmm. they were going to turn this into something that wasn't ideal. But you are here. And because you're here and you have all the stories, you're like the living history of this yeah. place. Yeah. Isn't that awesome? And now that I'm not out there fighting to fighting, try fighting. and I'm right. going to have to sit down at the computer and write this all down. And what exactly? And get that on the website yes. and make sure that that I'm not the only person that is saying right. this. But now that I've said this, more people can tell these stories yes. too. You know, if I if right. I have gone and talked to nurses who've worked there and and Patricia who's worked there and and gotten these these verbal stories, the oral history that that they're not necessarily writing down. Yes. And now it's in me. Yes. But now I got to get that out. Yes. And I'm not necessarily writing it down like they didn't, mm-hmm. but I'm saying it yes. in as many places as I right. can. So right. hopefully it gets it gets out there and right. gets shared and Right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So. So what's next? What's next? Well, 
we don't know. But yeah. whatever's next, I think it's going to be pretty exciting. I mean, <laughs> and hopefully I, not too exciting. I'm kind of done with exciting. <laughs> People are like, you know, you, you, need, you need to run for city council. It's like, oh, hey, Lord, no. There's an idea. Not in the least. Not in uh-huh. the least. It was so gross to experience the way that it was. And to, to be sitting there, I mean, it was bad enough that I have to sit there mm-hmm. and wait until 11 p.m., to say you people should do the right thing. Mm-hmm. How miserable is it for them every Tuesday night to be mm-hmm. sitting there until 11 p.m. having to go through all this? Like, you know, God bless these people mm-hmm. to the extent that they are genuinely interested in helping the city, mm-hmm. you know, and willing to mm-hmm. sit there week after week after week. Well, after how after. do you know that if, no you don't, do that if you don't get on that council, how do you know that you're not the one who's meant to change it? If nothing changes, nothing changes. What if you're the change? Not on council. That's not the place to change it. I I, I learned that going through this. Then okay, um, but I also did way. learn that that um, and I want to say you know oh, speaking up didn't work because we don't have our public park and it's like yeah, but speaking up did work. It mm-hmm. it, it did got work. the process to be drawn out mm-hmm. and closer to what it should be. Right. You know. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Which well I don't know. I I look at you and I'm like. I'm glad that we met. I am grateful Boy, me too. for someone who is so bold and courageous and oh, has such a voice. You are. <laughs> wow. You know what? Someone uh, I, once said to me, which I love this saying, you can never see the label from inside the bottle. <laughs> and the thing is, you, you, we need to all like start looking at ourselves from the perspective of what other people kind of see. Right, because we are our worst critics. Well, right? and hopefully you find the right people. Though, well, that's because true. There are some people that are going to tell you that that what's inside. Yeah, I know. And so great. So I you got to be careful about well, you, those people. I have a logo that was created for me, which is not too kind. So <laughs> yeah. So I do know all about social trolls and things like that. But anyway, huh. but my lady, is there anything else that you want to kind of share with the scope of kind of? Mental health, caregivers of mental health, keeping the best practices. What really does work doesn't work. Is there any, like, last kind of takeaways that you want to share or speak to? Or um, Thank you. <laughs> thank you for being a caretaker um, because um, I know that I would have a very hard time taking care of somebody that I am not e- equipped to and that sometimes the way that you take care of them is by putting them someplace where they can be taken care of better. A lot of people, one of the fellows that I work with on the on the board uh, kept his mom at home going through Alzheimer's and it was miserable. It was absolutely miserable. And it was important to them that she stay in her home. To me, depending on the, the situation, I think I would rather them be in a, in a situation where people who know what's going on who have handled this and other people and do it right, obviously, you know, take good care of them. Um, Mm -hmm. So thank you to the people who are taking care of their family at home. Mm -hmm. Thank you to the people who were able to put those family members someplace where they can get the help that they need by people who know how to do it. Thank you to the people who do know how to do it for Mm -hmm. doing it, you know, Mm -hmm. meeting these nurses and listening to their stories and, and the things that they, they did. Like, um, I mentioned to, to Patricia that I saw that there were those little 
banner mm-hmm. posts. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, those didn't face the street. That wasn't, you know, when we put them on our houses or for people out on the street to go by and see how cute that house is. She says, no, 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 that was all for the ladies. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, to help them know what time of year that it was. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. The the forethought, the little things yeah. that 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 she knew, that she mm-hmm. implemented, that she made sure were, were in place. And Agnes went and got a limousine and picked up a bunch of her nurses and drove, this is not going to be politically correct, drove them downtown and got them all furs at the time. That was, you know, wow. t- took care of the caretakers, mm-hmm. you know. And, mm-hmm. and um, mm-hmm. so I just, wow. I thank those people who are able to do the things that that I can't and not everybody can. So, mm-hmm. agreed. yeah. Mm-hmm. And for caring for yourself, right? Putting on your own oxygen mask before oh, you try to help other people, right? right? I remember when I was on a flight and that one finally clicked for me. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Like like with when I, when I called yeah. them up and I said, my, I don't want my daughter to see me being crazy. Right. I needed to put my own oxygen mask yeah. on so that yeah. I could be a together person to yeah. be a better example for her. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, and no stigma. That's the thing that I've also. I was telling my shrink, I oh, didn't yeah. want to. I didn't even want to go and see her because in my mind, that meant I was crazy, right? I was just right? like my mom, my sister. There is such stigma attached to it when, in reality, if we were just open and honest and and practiced self care, a lot of this other stuff would resolve right? itself. Right? Well, yeah. and I was watching someone close to me um, struggling with stress greatly. And uh, the doctor recommended going on on a, a medication that was actually going to take care of a chronic pain, but it was actually meant for um, anxiety and depression. Mm-hmm. And she refused to take it because she's not crazy. And I had to try and get her out of that mindset, like you said, mm-hmm. the stigma. Right. No. <laughs> understand that's not what they're saying. They're not mm-hmm. saying, you're crazy and you need to right. be medicated. Mm-hmm. You you and I live this now. We understand what right. that world is. Yes. What this is is something to help you get by. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't work, right. then, then it doesn't work and you don't keep doing it. Right. You find what's going to help get you through it right. and, and do the self-care. Yeah. Right. Agreed. Well, thank you for joining us on this podcast. Do you want to give kind of the URL or um, the Facebook page or anything? Oh, yeah. Can... Uh, everywhere. You can hashtag Friends of Rock Haven, Save Rock Haven, Rock Haven. We're on Instagram. We are on Facebook as Friends of Rock Haven. Our website, um, we just got a beautiful new website, but it's not because it's new. It's not fully hooked up to everything um, so that if you go to donate or buy something that we have it doesn't hook up to the right store yet but we do have some fun pictures on there and a couple of stories and things at www.friendsofrockhaven.org awesome that is awesome well thank you very much and anyone listening um if you have any of your own stories to share or you want to somehow get a little more involved um please do so um in the comments we would love to hear from you and so until next time this is madness to magic i'm with crazy a love story Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to Madness to Magic and my podcast, I'm with Crazy, a love story. I believe we're all here for a purpose, and I know that this is part of mine. Please share this with anyone you think might benefit or might even have a story of their own to share. You also can visit me at madnesstomagic.com or check out more of my stories, including info on my book, The S Word, at paulinamilanawrites.com. I hope to hear from you and to join forces 
with what I consider a unique caregiver tribe as we all learn to embrace all of ourselves, to have compassion for others, and to come into our full power by the grace that is both madness and magic. Until we meet again, I'll leave you with one of my favorite mantras. Be bold and mighty forces shall come to your aid. Thank you.